My name is Aditya Prakash, and you're listening to A Search for Identity and Beauty, an isolation podcast. Today I'll be speaking to Vincenzo Lamagna, who I call Vince, who is an amazing composer, producer, and mentor on isolation. The first time I met Vince was in London at the very first meeting to ideate music for Zenos, um, Akram Khan's production, which I was singing on and Vince was composing the score for. It was clear to me that Vince wasn't at all familiar with Carnatic music. And, and when two of the five musicians in Zenos were Carnatic musicians, I definitely had my doubts. I wondered how he, no matter how great a musician he is, and I knew he was great because I heard his incredible score for Until the Lions which is an older production of Akram Khan. But how could he, how could Vince challenge me and push me to go deeper in my music if he doesn't know anything about the form that I'm so deeply entrenched in? I wondered if I had to go to his, his side of the fence and, and imitate his, his musical style. But I was so wrong about that. I quickly was reminded that when you're such an insider in a particular form or style, and you go deep in it, you sometimes lose that bird's eye view to really try stuff that is outside that area of comfort. And having someone like Vince with his bird's eye view guiding two Carnatic musicians, that's me and B.C. Manjunath, who is another brilliant Carnatic musician, a, per- a percussionist. And having Vince guide us created something pretty special and unique. And it pushed us to get out of our box of comfort and this was crucial to my growth as an artist and a composer today there was a whole piece in Zenos where Vince had BC Manjunath translate one of his own com- uh, rhythmic compositions where his right hand was playing the Merdangam as we normally play it and his left hand had a hammer in it and it was slamming a wooden block in rhythmic patterns and it was so unique and intriguing Another example of a task that Vince got me to do was I sang a composition from my repertoire for him. And after he heard it, he asked me if I could reverse the entire composition. That means if the phrase of the composition is mora, the reverse would be arum. So I had to do that for an entire composition, which was discombobulating to say the least. Nobody had ever asked me to do something like this. What was comfort and the usual for me in that composition was now suddenly something so foreign and difficult for me to sing. The idea of that task really wowed me, and it stayed with me today. And, and, I, and I tap into that whenever I want some sort of inspiration compositionally. Vince is someone whose music is bold and intriguing. Sometimes it can be just... 10 straight minutes of intense non-pitch sounds and yet he finds such a musicality in it his music has always hit me deep and when i first met him i never would have expected him to be a very important mentor for me and and an influence in the music in isolation so here is the conversation with vincenzo lamagna 
Vince, thank you for speaking with me. My pleasure. So I'm going to jump right into it. What does beauty mean to you? That's deep, man. I know. I know. What means to you? I think a lot of what beauty meant to me was entrenched in the classical world of what that means. Because I come from that world too. But I want to, what is it to you? I am going to be very rude and start the answer with another question. Um, why did you choose the word beauty? Well, I guess because... No, this is not how it works. I asked you the <laughs> questions, Vince. I don't know, because beauty was a big part of what I thought, what art making was for me. It was creating beauty. How do I create beauty? And I realized that was the wrong approach. And so it kind of shifted what beauty actually meant to me. Great. And thank you for answering that, because it's... Um, I love the fact that you just said, for me, art was about creating beauty. And I find it funny, but also makes perfect sense that you picked that word. I'm, I'm finding it funny because I think I've, I was exposed to the word beauty a long, long time ago. Hmm. And one of my mentors is... It, it, a He's, he's still alive, so I, I speak speak about him in, in present. <laughs> um, he, he's a very important person in my life. He's, um, he's a painter. And uh, for a long period before moving to London, there was, there was a transition period, which I called... To me, it's almost like I was becoming an adult. And it's hmm. a bit silly because I was already old <laughs> in that sense, but... Thanks to him, I was I was opening up to something beyond music, and he he, he taught me a lot about art, and in fact, uh, a lot of visual art and paintings became very inspiring to me. And the word beauty was constantly present in these conversations, and and he himself was searching what what what's beauty, you know. Th there is an inner feeling, there is an inner knowledge that. Um, I'm connected with and I find it always very difficult to verbalize it because I don't spend time thinking about it um, but at the same time it's present in everything I do yeah. and that's why my first reaction to a question like this is like whoa, okay, yeah. where do I start? Yeah. Maybe you can talk about sorry to interrupt you but yeah, maybe no, you can talk fine. about what beauty the journey of what beauty was to you mm -hmm. like was it was beauty the same thing it was 10 years ago to what it is now yeah i i don't have a definition but i can definitely tell you that um, it's has changed and is changing mm. to me there was always something quite quite profound in things that i found beautiful mm -hmm. quite early on i started to look at beauty in what we would consider ugly Mm. So there is something about life that it's inherent, inherently ugly and beautiful at the same time. And because I became a father recently, I'm starting to drop the idea of good and bad or um, positive and negative and, and, you know, the scale going either one way or another. 
so there was something in 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 me that was always trying to either fix something or thinking okay this is not right right now it's it's wrong or it's ugly or um and it can be fixed and there was this dualism of it's either one or the other and probably the process started much earlier but i think becoming a father meant that for some reason i really can't explain it but i'm starting to feel both this um these two elements of or the, the elements of of opposition as part of the same yes there i i really i i'm holding pain and beauty at the same time and actually i said pain and beauty it should be probably pain and joy because pain and beauty don't yeah. uh, don't exclude each yeah. other yeah. but beauty and ugliness can mm-hmm. in our minds and i'm starting to realize more and more and more that they don't exclude each other mm there is something about our experience of human beings which is essentially flawed yeah that it's beautiful because of that mm. so in the arts you for, you were saying you know the classical idea of beauty you you tell me i want this is a conversation it's not yeah, just yeah, me yeah. blah 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 which yeah, i will sure. but yeah. i have a feeling that when you were referring to the classical idea of beauty you probably are thinking of something quite dogmatic perhaps i want to be careful with that word but yeah in in a sense it is i guess my previous idea of beauty was something that related to my own sense of comfort what i'm what i'm used to what i'm comfortable with and if it fit in that mold it, it was a very small spectrum of of what the possibility of beauty could be and art making was about not more about beautiful even in the pain that the the music suggested there was a beauty in it in a beautifulness in it there was a pleasantness in it um but what about the pain that is ugly and and there is nothing there is no hope in that pain um cuz that that feeling does exist and i mean it didn't feel honest that beauty was just a one-sided thing it had to be like you said two sides of the of the same coin and i think when i saw um akram's work there was like this abrasive quality to it and an ugliness to it that got me to get out of my apathy my passive consumption of art uh my autopilot mode of receiving beauty and it got me to self reflect like huh there's something there is something to me that i need to look into that i'm i'm not fully beauty is much more than this pleasant experience and because it was beautiful what i was seeing but at the same time there was something jarring about it zenos was kind of my first time being into that world when when we were creating zenos and so many times there's sounds that you were playing with that i felt like oh my god this is what is this it's it's jarring it's chaotic what what is he seeing this and i think that was part of my transformation process is now when i hear it it's it's beautiful it's powerful it just hits you in your gut and i think that's what to me beauty was something that kind of shows you something that you don't really see it's an honesty thank you for this because it made me realize that i was shying away from a very simple truth for me 
And right now, I want to be honoring your openness yeah. and open up fully. Yeah. To me, and it's always been like this, but to me, beauty is God becoming human mm. for the human to become God. Ah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And to me, it's the image of Christ on the cross. The idea of a God that was always away, away, he was far away, and you were talking about transcendence. Yeah. It, there was this feeling of, we can't touch that. We are not worthy. That's perfection out there. We are sinners. We, are, we have to die and hoping to get something up until that, the moment where that God that is so far, so perfect, so dehumanized, yeah. says, well, no, I'm becoming you. And I'm going to die. Mm. And I'm going to die very ugly death. Mm. Hanged on a cross, beaten up with blood everywhere. That to me, it's the key to transcend as a human being. I'm careful with this image and with this concept because I have a very complicated relationship with religions, uh, with organized religions. I believe that there's a lot of complications and a lot of bad things happen in the world because of that. But in all truth, if I have to look at my own truth in depth, that's what it is. And it's the possibility for us human beings to transcend without negating everything we are, mm -hmm. without negating pain, without negating death, right. which is the only thing that makes us human. Yeah. And what you were saying about your experience, I... I, I've never experienced it directly like that because I was never um, I was never attracted or part of the classical world, if you want to call it like that. Again, it's a dangerous definition to yeah. use. Yeah. Um, but I always felt the contradictions and somehow a rejection because in, in my nature, it wasn't even a question. I was attracted by art, by music, but I was never attracted by the idea of perfection. There is something into an art form that tries to remove the humanity and make everything look imperfect or uh, beyond what reality is. Um, and I believe that as artists, we, we have a right and a responsibility to play with that. We're not journalists. We're not just fact finders or fact explainers. Right. Our... Uh, our tools of the trade is imagination. I think the most powerful art uh, creates that experience that is it's, it's transcending the human life, the human nature, yeah. but not by negating it. And that's why I was talking about ugliness or 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 pain, um, grief, all all these feelings that makes us human. And that's when art comes into play. Right. Um, and beauty comes into play. As if the artist becomes God. You know, you are a creator.
Vince, I wanted to ask you this question because your music is hard to put into a genre. And I felt this similar feeling when I'm asked what genre to put down for isolation. I just felt very limited by that slotting. So I want to know how do you deal with those tags that we have to sometimes put on our own music? I don't connect with these tags. I've always had issues. Even when I, I as a kid, I worked in a music shop. Mm. And the the boss, you know, the first thing that they asked me when they are, okay, you're a musician. So they, they provoke me because they were asking, how would you catalog this? How do you put that on the shelves and stuff? And there was this back and forth of like, I don't care if it's jazz or classical or I don't care about these labels. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to go through that experience with them because it made sense in a in a structured, you know, in in that particular context. You needed to if you enter the shop and you wanted to buy a certain kind of album, it was easier to find if it was in a, in a category. And I understand that framing something can help, but personally, I for me, music is music. And also, you know, we call it classical today. It wasn't classical when it was invented. Um, Bach was creating pretty much the rules of what became Western music for the next few hundred years, including what we're doing now. Mm. Um, At that time, I doubt that he was considering himself classical music. I am pretty sure that Beethoven had the same kind of thing, you know? You start you come on the on you know you're right with something like that you're breaking something there and mozart was the same bach was the same those guys basically came out as if they were helpless somehow you know like something is breaking in that moment and then it became classical but many many composers which right now we consider classical and we have to play by certain rules that kind of music they were breaking those rules or they were either building those rules or breaking them I can really relate to the same phenomenon in Carnatic music as well. We have the trinity of composers, these three genius composers, Tyagaraja, Muttuswami Dikshitar, and Shama Shastri, who really have defined our modern idea of what is Carnatic music, what is correct Carnatic music. And the lore surrounding the history of the music, we naturally deify these composers. They are gods for us. They're worshipped. But when you actually learn and realize that they're the ones who broke the rules, who created their own path, their own sound, it made them more accessible to me. They weren't just these untouchable gods. They were musicians. They were humans. They were flawed geniuses who questioned norms. And they were fearless and bold. And realizing that allowed me a new access point to Carnatic music. What allowed me to shape shift within this album has obviously a lot to do with my mentorship under TM Krishna, but also a lot to do with my exposure to the contemporary dance world through my other mentor, Akram Khan. And it's what allowed me to find my own personal connection and narrative in the music. I approached my music differently in a way that felt, it felt more honest, more like me. And I didn't think to ever articulate the influence of contemporary dance on my Carnatic music until Vince asked me this question. What have you found in the contemporary world world that makes you 
be who you want to be. Yeah, I think it's just more about that it's okay to be ugly. It's okay to be abrasive. It's okay. It's part of our human existence. But I, I guess the classical idiom and, and even within the fusion world, there is this kind of box that I felt prevented from exploring that. And I think that was also this idea of, again, transcending the human experience. The highest experience is the divine experience. And there's this kind of perfection that is tied in with that. And I think it's about seeing the beauty in ugliness that has allowed me to explore more sounds, more tonalities in my voice. Even like, I remember in, in Zenos, there is one show where I was like so sick and I, I couldn't really sing at all. And I thought I was singing like ass. And after the show, both you and Akram were like, this is the best you've sung. And that itself got me to think like, my idea of what was beautiful is more about perfection. And that was so unreal. And I think finding the beauty in the flaws is something that has made me feel like I'm, I'm getting into a more honest space of who I want to be, not what I think I should be. Mm -hmm. And so I think in that sense, being in the contemporary world and being having access to people who are thinking like you and Akram has really opened and changed my direction of exploration. Beautiful. Yeah. And if I, I, I feel it when I, when I hear your stuff, I told you, yeah. <clears throat> I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> which just sounds like, no no but I, uh, it sounds like it's a negative thing but I'm jealous in a good way kicked my ass of like wow first of all it sounds great but I I found you completely transformed I, I haven't been with you through all the stages we worked on Zenos and then you went on tour and I came back what a couple of times yeah. and, and then you sent me this stuff and I'm like whoa I like it it's my taste but it goes beyond that I can connect with you with what you're experiencing right now, with this transformation that goes beyond technique, it goes beyond the concept, and you're touching something else. And we need the technique, we need the concepts. Yeah. That, that's the thing. All of these things are not negative. They're not things that they're all part of the journey. I think that's actually that is the thing that I, I gained the most from this process of working on Zenos was I came with my technical skills, my my body of training and when you and Akram asked me to forget that it was a shock to me because that is my prized possession and I think that's I started seeing value only after you guys told me that you need that you have that that's great but now forget it and yeah that was that was huge for me <laughs> When you reimagined Lacrimosa on, on Zenos, you did face a bit of criticism for that. Now, how do, you, how do you, number one, deal with criticism within the community that claims this work is theirs? You know, this is the, the, Lacrimosa is a, is a classical piece. It's in that world. And you've come in, and you yourself don't consider yourself in that in that world you've come in from the outside and taken it and reimagined it is there any sort of trepidation or fear that you feel before doing that or while doing that and how do you deal with the criticism after you've done it with lacrimosa 
my main concern was Mozart, not what other people think about Mozart. And what I mean by that is that I have a lot of respect for the man <laughs> and for what he created regardless of what my taste is. Going back to what I told you, like that work goes beyond technique, it goes beyond concepts, it goes beyond aesthetics, it's reaching somewhere else. And I was faced with uh, the challenge to go to that place and touch something that is perfect. And I'm not talking about the aesthetic perfection of following the rules. It's perfect, meaning it already transcended. It mm -hmm. creates an experience that lets you transcend. My main concern was that, you know, to, to enter that space and be one with him. And it was bloody scary, but that's where, I'm, where my focus is. The criticism that can come from the outside, does it touch me? Sometimes, sometimes it's painful, but it doesn't stop me. It's not what guides me. If I feel that the criticism, if I connect with the criticism and I resonate with like, oh yeah, actually what you're criticizing here, I agree. Am I serving myself? Am I serving my ego, my ideas? Am I protecting my own fragility? Or am I serving the work? And by serving the work, am I serving the people that will meet this work? To me, that's the guide. That's the only guide. Am I serving the work? So some of you may be wondering, what does it mean to serve the work? And I had never heard anyone in the music world asked me, does this music serve the work? It was just about making the music sound good. And I came across this phrase after working with Akrambai, and it's now that Maitli or Akrambai will ask me that when I send them the music. Is it serving the work? A few times in the process of isolation, I'd send music to both of them, and there'll, there'll be bits of the song where both of them well, give me that same note. It sounds good, but what's the intention of it? Is it serving the work? And the answer was no. It was there because of my ego. It was a cool music moment. And because these pieces weren't just about the music, it was about storytelling, it was about a narrative, that made it have to have a higher purpose. And the higher purpose was to serve the narrative, serve the work. Um, another thing, something I've been noticing in the, like the, in the work you create is this idea of going against form. Um, <laughs> and I'm talking about chorus, verse, like a song structure, right? Mm -hmm. Is that something that, is that something that has come about after working with dance or is it something that has kind of you've been exploring before and how has dance allowed you to think about mm. music like this yeah um 
No, that's been a clear transformation for me because I grew up with the very clear idea of, oh, this is how you write. And I think, to be honest, I'm very grateful that I spent a lot of time um, learning those classical structure or the form. But I guess, yes, working with the contemporary dance world gave me the possibility of observe a different way of um, constructing things. And I want for the music to create an abstraction of a feeling, to, to take you somewhere else completely. And that's probably where breaking the forms came from, you know. Uh, I started to experiment with constant repetitions. Because of what you have done. 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 It's not because I don't have ideas or because, oh, I, I don't, it's, it's this idea of almost, almost forgetting about the music. Mm. It, it becomes a mantra, you know, mm. it's there, it's there, and it's developing and it's growing. And all in a sudden you realize that you're somewhere else completely, but you're not quite sure how you got there. Um, this is something that became very interesting to me while working with, you know, with, yeah. with the choreographers and directors. Yeah, this is, to me, I feel like that gives you space to let things unfold and um, to explore the human. Because I feel like, and like what you're saying about serving the work, if we're serving a, a form, then we're very limited. And, and we don't let the, the work unfold in such a natural way. And I think when I let go of the structure, it just allowed things to unfold in a very instinctive, natural way. And I don't, I mean, I'm sure I'll go back to form at some point, but it'll be from a different place. But now I'm just enamored by this idea of just long builds, repetitions, just transforming over time. And I mean, that's very much what I feel like life naturally is. It's not a form. It's things unfolding Mm -hmm. in a very seamless, sometimes a shocking way, but yeah, I think that's, I think breaking the form is, it just opens so much more space for feeling. I believe that art is there to move us and to challenge us. I want to be challenged because that disturbance is telling us something, is telling me something. I can choose to look away or I can dig. Me, I want to dig. And to me, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. I have a kid, which means that my sense of time is shrinking radically. I don't want to waste too much time in my life shying away from things. Yeah, I have a limit, limited amount of time here. I want to dig deeper. Not even uh, waiting for a reward after. I want to dig deeper now because, it's, because there is a lot 
to, to, to experience, right? So personally, I welcome in my life art that moves me deeply, shakes me. We go back to the original idea of what's beauty. Beauty to me, it's not a plastic thing to observe. Oh, how pretty, how um, pleasing. None of that. It's a powerful, moving experience. Thank you for listening. This podcast series was produced by Sushma Soma and myself. The music you hear in this episode is from Vincenzo Lamagna's work, Zenos, and Creature, which is an album I highly recommend and is available on all streaming platforms. The episode also featured music of mine from Isolation, recordings from my practice sessions, and my unreleased archives.